Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I am your host and it is so good uh, to have this time with you today. Now today's episode is an interview uh, with uh, Simon Gillibo and he has uh, spent a lot of his time ministering in uh, Burundi and has some amazing stories from his time there but he's also written some so good books on discipleship uh, choose life uh, 365 readings for radical disciples can't more highly recommend that to you but he wrote a book a few years ago called modern conquerors a call to radical discipleship that i just thought was brilliant um he is somebody who has really been led by Jesus in his whole life and it's taken him on a wonderful adventure and that adventure has taken him towards uh, potential death, death threats uh, and uh, he really has experienced life on the edge uh, in global mission. He's back in the UK now and I wanted to catch up with him and just see how he was engaging uh, with life back in the UK as a disciple. You know, if you've uh, had your life threatened uh, in Burundi uh, while being a missionary out there and you have potentially um, seen numbers of times your life and your family's life threatened because of the gospel and then you're back in the UK uh, it can often feel like you're falling asleep. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of life, isn't it? Uh, and I wanted to catch up with him and say, look, what does discipleship look like now for you back in the UK? And so really would love you to uh, pick up one of his books at some point, you know, as a bit of a holiday read. But Choose Life 365, you know, 365-day readings for an entire year. So if you're looking for something for next year uh, to read throughout the year as a way of uh, changing your discipleship, like a day daily reading. Uh, you might actually find that uh, book, Choose Life 365 Readings for Radical Disciples, it's something for you. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can you can click and you can go and find a copy of that. Um, but I'd love, you know, if you want a book to read whilst on holiday, More Than Conquerors are called a radical discipleship. You know, that book now is it's probably about 12 or 13 years old, but it's as fresh as ever. Uh, it's such a powerful book and would love to encourage you to pick that up. So friends, here's an interview with Simon. Hope it encourages you. If there's anything in it that really encourages you, you can leave uh, something in the, the chat, either on Apple or on the website. If you've listened to the podcast through the website, Make It Disciples website, you can leave comments in the chat and it's it's really lovely to hear uh, what you have to say on top of maybe what somebody said in an interview. So feel free uh, to do that. So here we go. Let's jump into an interview with Simon Gillibo uh, about life as a disciple. Simon, welcome to Making Disciples. It's really good to have you with me today. Yeah, great to be here. Looking forward to it. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm on uh, pretty good form. Just back from a preaching weekend. That's uh, I tend to sort of itinerate around the country. So I just got back from Cambridge yesterday and it was really good. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, I want to have a conversation with you today really around uh, discipleship and what, you know, I want to call, talk about radical discipleship. Why radical? Because actually it's to try and shift us out of uh, maybe the bubble or box that we've got around the world disciple and trying to move it into something a bit more dynamic mm -hmm. uh, and different really so i want to talk to you about radical discipleship today um let me just ask this question first you know where has following jesus taken you 
So um, the, my main life context has been Burundi. So I spent 20 years in Burundi, which when I went out was the most dangerous country in the world. It's currently maybe 10th, but it's the hungriest and poorest country in the world. So I lived out there. I went out there as a single young man. I expected to die. People tried to kill me. People I care about were killed. So quite extreme in a different context, obviously, from what most listeners would be engaged in daily. But But, you know, in that extreme context, learning lessons in very sort of, black and white about uh, the the about gospel urgency about what matters you know stuff doesn't matter uh, people matter uh, about holding short accounts because if you're going to die next week why would you hold on to grudges uh, so lots of you know really uh, key lessons that i have brought back um to now living in a sort of middle upper class bath which is just a very different context from from the poorest country in the world yeah big time what like why Burundi? What what what's the story there? <laughs> well, it was it was very dramatic, very clear. I mean, in co- context for for full transparency was that my I'm actually fourth generation to have worked out there. So my great grandfather was buried out there. My great great aunt translated the Bible into Burundi. But having said that, I was looking going anywhere but Burundi uh, because I, I I had been out there. I'd see you know I'd done the family route thing, but I wanted to I actually wanted to go to an unreached people group. Um, and Burundi certainly has had the gospel come to it. So I was praying a prayer. I was 24 years old. I was living up the road from you, um, just uh, around the corner in Bow. And I was doing the Cornhill training course on Borough High Street. You might have heard of that. And um, I was praying, God, you know, I'm 24 years old. I'm single. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And that was my prayer. And the guy tracked me down in Bishopsgate in London. It was the second last day of the course. And I'd be praying, God, come on, Lord, anything, anywhere. I don't want security. I just want to be in your will. That's the safest place to be, you know. Security is a mixed blessing, isn't it? Because when we're secure in of ourselves, we don't sort of really need, actively need God. So I was like, Lord, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. Anyway, this guy tracked me down. Second last day of the course, I received a scribbled piece of paper, name, number, ring this guy, rang him up. We met up in Bishopsgate in the city. I'd never met this bloke before. And out the blue, he said, uh, my name is Robert DeBerry. I believe God sent me to you. I've been praying. And I believe he wants you to go out to Burundi me involved in youth mission evangelism so my heart's thumping in my chest saying thinking you know god is this some nut job or is this is this you so i said to him all right thanks weirdo i'll think about it i'll be spiritual i'll pray about it I went back to my job they kept it open for me after the bible course and i was in front of the computer said god right now i'll fast i'll pray but if that was you and not some nut job then it means leaving family friends security career everything going to a place where i might get my mic where I, you know i've told you people try to kill me so it's going to be a very dramatic change of life. If you want me to go to Burundi, give me a radical sign right now in front of the computer to justify a radical change of career. And um, the phone rang and I picked it up and the voice on the other end out of the blue said, do you know anyone who wants to work in Burundi? <laughs> and uh, that was it. That's a long answer to your your question. But I mean, it was so dramatic. It was so clear. And even in sharing that story, you know, I'll say to people, listen, you don't need uh, a phone call from God to move and be obedient. Uh, I don't want to overemphasize the wacky answer prayer. I want to overemphasize. I want to emphasize the prayer. And the prayer was mm. total surrender. It was not not bargaining. I think often people bargaining with God. They'll say, um, "I'll do this if you give me a husband, or I'll do this if you pay the bills, or if it's safe, or whatever." And He says, "No, no, 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 no." I think it's. I think I'm paraphrasing. C.S. Lewis says, "God can't bless us until He has us." And when we try to keep areas of our life that are our own, they're areas of death. And in love, he claims all. There's no bargaining with him. 
And I think, you know, we do bargain. And he says, no, 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 whatever you're holding on to, it's festering, rotting death. In love, I claim all. Don't bargain, just give it all. And, and Chris, honestly, I can just say uh, the outworking of that prayer, which is now 24 odd years ago, is um, was hundreds of thousands of people came to Jesus. Uh, and our ministry is now literally impacting, uh, who knows, it's over 100,000 lives in a, in a very clear way each year. I was there three weeks ago and um and i you know saw 500 people come to the lord on, on one evening in the bush we saw miracles or demons cast i mean it's just full-on dramatic very fruitful mm. but you know the fruit is out on the uh, is, is on the limb isn't it we've got to yeah. we mustn't play safe we've got to get out there i love that i, I think there's there's one thing that you've kind of fleeted past and, and many listeners be like hang on what 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 um losing your life um no there was obviously an incident or two or numbers where it looked like your life could be taken from you. Uh, you don't need to tell us about those, but I'd love to know why did you not run away at that point? If somebody um, somebody pulled a knife out on me recently on our estate and my response was to walk away as far as I could from them, uh, why didn't you run away at that point? Well, you know, if, I mean, if you look at the scriptures, if we're talking about radical discipleship, radix, radical comes from the Latin word radix, which is the root, which is the origin, which means getting to the, about it to the scriptures. And if you look at scripture, a scriptural view of our life would be Philippians 1 21, where Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he carries on and says, what shall I choose? I actually desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but convinced there's more work for me to do. I'll be around a bit longer. So I just, I didn't have a, I certainly didn't have a death wish, but I also didn't have, like I had a, a get out of jail free card that I wasn't going to die. But I was like, you know, how are we meant to view our lives? God is in control. He has called me. He is on his throne. He is in control. And therefore, honestly, and this is not disingenuous at any level, Chris. I, it was like hakuna matata. It's a problem-free philosophy. Ain't no worries for the rest of your days. If you're fully surrendered to God, then nothing can happen to you that he hasn't allowed. And it was so liberating because our birthright as followers of Jesus in, in what is currently a, a, a world and our country crippled and shackled by fear post-COVID, and we were indoctrinated for more fear during the COVID season to change our behavioral patterns. And that's not saying that COVID wasn't serious, but that's the reality. And, and our birthright as followers of Jesus is faith, not fear. So they were the most dangerous to raise in the world. One time I drove along and 40, 40 people got killed and I got through, you know, four ambushes happened. I didn't even know they were happening. We just got through. I had a yeah. guy come to my house with a grenade to blow me up. He'd written me a letter saying he's gonna cut out my eyes. So yeah, quite extreme experiences. But well, I'd, I'll be honest again on the on the the guy coming to my house. I did have nightmares, and I, I changed where I lived for a few nights and varied my routes around town. And you know, so it's not like, you know, you're you're just in denial about the reality of what you're living through. But I was like, bring it on! You know, this is so mm -hmm. exciting. This is what this is life to the full. That's my favorite scripture. You know, Jesus promised John ten ten, I've come to mm -hmm. have life, life the full. And so actually one time we were driving on the road and uh, my colleague leant across with a glint in his eye and he said, Simon, isn't it exciting? We are immortal until God calls us home. And I was like, mm. yes, that is right. And other times we, you know, I was on my motorbike and uh, riding along with Freddie, my soulmate on the back and Brunian soulmate. And we were just singing worship songs. And it's like the Switzerland of Africa, you know, beautiful in the hills, bombing around 
And I was like, wow, if we die right now, what a great way to go, you know, about the master's <laughs> business. And of course, people listened wherever we went. You know, people listened because no one else was coming at that stage. It was too dangerous. The UN sort of flew over and the NGOs would be like a taxi airplane dropping people off over the danger zones. But in the danger zones, people were dying. They were dying without hope, without Christ. And our mandate was to to be to be there amongst the people and it was so fruitful because it was it was it was radical and it mm. was authentic mm. now some people listening might say well that sounds great when you're a single young man uh but when you have a family and there are others depending on you can you still be that radical can you still live like that is that still possible yeah, I mean, good question, because the fact is I was single and then I came back and uh, found a lady who was, I mean, she's actually a very normal person, nuts enough to join me. I proposed to her delirious of malaria in uh, on Lake Kivu in Rwanda with one of the immortal lines, you know, are you ready to be a young widow? And she bought into it. And then we have kids. So I, I say that about Lizzie because, you know, it, things don't change when you find someone who's, who's a coherent adult who makes a rational decision based on the facts. So she bought into it fully. Mm. Uh, but you're right then three kids come along who are now 16 14 13 and they didn't choose this life but my answer to that question is the best thing we can do for our kids the next generation is to model faith not fear and radical faith at that and you know what they've then they therefore get their own story so if i just tell you a quick story in that one 2015 we'd had 10 years of peace um from 2005 and then uh, elections happen and it gets really messy. I won't go into the details of that, but, you know, burning bodies in the streets, barricades, shooting. And I'm like, we are not leaving. And Lizzie was in agreement. We are Burundians. We've chosen citizenship. Incarnation is staying. Uh, but I was thinking, is this going to cost me my wife, my kids, trauma, traumatized, rape, whatever. But we're not leaving because we choose faith over fear. Anyway, my five-year-old boy, Josiah, he swallowed some popcorn and it went to his lung. <gasps> And he's breathing like that. And he needed, um, we went to the only remaining US pediatrician in the country. He said, you need to get on the next flight out of here. He needs surgery. So mm -hmm. Lizzie and the kids left, but it wasn't a fear thing. It was because he needed surgery. And I was very happy that they left it and I could concentrate on the job and experience a coup alone and that sort of thing. Um, but um, thousands of people praying for us. Now he had to finish his course of antibiotics in England before the surgery. It's called a bronchoscopy. And so 10 days later, Thousand people praying. On the morning of his surgery, <coughs> he coughs <laughs> and out comes this kernel of popcorn from his lung. Impossible. Doctors have told me that's you know, that's not possible. That's a miracle. And it's like God's grace mm. in that situation was beautiful because he orchestrated situations. We trusted him. And, and you know, Josiah now, he's got a story. He's got a story because we didn't evacuate like most other people. We didn't just jump on the plane out of fear and leave. And, and in saying that, I'm not even judging those that did because, you know, we just got different calls in our lives, maybe. But, you know, we I, we want our kids to have stories and they're only mm. going to have stories if we choose the nitty grittiness of life and don't just choose the safety of the suburbs speaking right now in the suburbs. So, you know, but just to challenge our, our listeners, it's, it's yeah. not, it's like, what is God calling us to? And he's definitely not calling us to comfort you know, comfort and cross, can they coexist? Jesus says, Luke 9, 23, and the other synoptics, you know, if anyone comes off to me, if we're going to be a true disciple, he or she must deny self, take up cross daily and follow me. And I think, honestly, sometimes I ask myself the question, am I, am I really following Jesus or am I expecting him to follow me on my terms, at my convenience, me setting the parameters of the relationship? And he's like, no, follow 
me. And again, in a culture of very little self-denial, you know, what's it look like to deny ourselves? And what's it look like to take a cross when we're not facing obvious persecution in this mm. nation? Although I'm sure that's ramping up in due course as well. Yeah. Well, let's just back up a second then, because um, I want to ask you the question, for you, what is discipleship? How do you understand discipleship? What does that look like? You know, what language do you put to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Mm, again, good question. And I, and I think, you know, people have their different emphases and DNAs. Um, so for, for me, one of my key lines of my DNA is everything is about relationship. And that's relationship with other people. That's relationship with the organizations. That's relationship. So in Burundi, why our work has been so stunningly fruitful is because um, I, we've got together to, now, it's 25 organizations in relationship, not competing with each other, not building my kingdom, small K, but God's kingdom, capital K, not small C church, but capital C church. Mm. So everything is relationship. So taking that with Jesus, it's all about developing relationship with him. It's about... For me, I, I picture my my life as, you know, and I actually don't, you wear glasses, don't you? I don't wear glasses yet. Um, but I, it's like Jesus is the lens of my glass. So everything, I mean, that is very close, isn't it, over your, over mm. your eyes. So everything you're living, you're breathing, you're, you're, you're seeing is through Jesus. He is with me. I mean, he's the one that sits close to my brother, isn't he? But, mm. but it's like, I, I'm, I, it's basically, it's, it's Brother Lawrence, isn't it? Practicing the presence of God. So trying to see everything uh, through Jesus' lens, living with him, him in us, uh, and mm -hmm. that affecting every decision, hoping that that affects every thought, you know, so that when, uh, you know, something dodgy on, you know, your your, your your conscience is prompted or prodded when you're watching something dodgy on, on your computer or on the screen or whatever. And, and, and then trying to model the Jesus way uh, in thought, word, and deed, um, and looking at again if it's radical radix root origin going back to how jesus lived and trying to trying to copy that so in a very individualistic society for example when we moved to bath i was i was, I was trying to back from burundi i was trying to find a team house that we could live together in community now in the end that didn't work out because there aren't many six seven eight bedroom houses but actually we've we've always had someone living with us pretty much mm. always since we've so we've got holly downstairs right now who's just got engaged yesterday and um and and you know but she lived with us jody just moved out uh, a few months ago so and and that they're good for the next generations so, because my kids honestly are not really listening to me anymore mm. 16 14 13 i mean they're obviously watching and they're very quick to pick up on inconsistencies but it's very helpful to have a 22 jody was 25 i think mm. you know a younger vibrant christian living with us who's who's bringing in other people to the house to model it so community living in a individualistic culture constantly having people around you know meals um a lot of discipleship was was over food wasn't it and it doesn't mm. have to be expensive food but uh, having people around getting stuck into the community so you know i i my discipleship for me in burundi uh, sorry back here coming back i was like how am i going to stay sharp and uh, there were two very obvious outworkings that I am a missionary, if you like, on my street. That's where God's put me. There are 85 houses. So it's getting to know all my neighbors. I can't say I know everyone, but there's about there's about 230 people on the street. I know by name 100, 190 maybe. Um, I pray every day um, outside every house on the street, blessing on them. And that's a that's a you know, that's a 
10 minute commitment it's not a massive commitment but it is a commitment and it's usually mm. you know, it's still dark in the morning but it's like this is my patch and i want to see god's kingdom come and so far we've just seen one person in the last few years come to faith and then stepping out of my comfort zone you know we're called to we're called to share our faith uh, and you know that's right the heart of our gospel mandate and and that for me has been pushing myself out of the comfort of coom down in terms of doing uh, street outreach and getting people out there and, and training them up and we are, are actually we're part of an estate church about 500 yards away called st andrew's community church and there's 974 houses and we are we are going door by door to door with them and it's actually very easy uh, to go do door to door if there's a relationship and the relationship is that we are your local church so this is the pattern when we arrive we're your local church we're st andrews by the way and we just want you to know what we're what we do and you know there's a free meal on wednesday and then tuesday there's mums and tots and thursday there's youth and blah, blah, blah. you're going through the program and we'd love you to be involved and, and you can be involved you can help if you want and then on the back of that i don't know if you come across this thing jesus at the door but it's a mm -hmm. it's a brilliant picture mm -hmm. that's very simple about jesus knocking at the door of your heart and, and sharing faith and i've led it i've led it several people to the lord that way and that beautiful picture by charlie mackesy isn't it yeah yeah the updated version of uh yeah. what was it 1852 um holman hunt's one yeah um and you just but but you know modeling pushing ourselves so taking a team with me and by the way just i don't think anyone who's been out we've had about 12 we're not a big church probably 40 about 12 people have been out with me everyone has come back saying that well that, was, that wasn't scary i was bricking myself but it wasn't scary much easier than i thought and people are totally up for being prayed for um so you know discipleship it, it, it's all encompassing and it's multifaceted isn't it i don't know mm. that's about answer that's, that's good it's multifaceted and i love i love that phrase that you use about the lens seeing mm. things through a jesus lens and being a disciple is somebody who's allowing their vision um to change so they see it the way that jesus sees it and the knock-on effect of that is that there's a cost and you've you've been talking about some of that cost of discipleship it seems to me that in the uk the cost of being a follower of jesus is quite low mm. uh, which means we become sleepy and we become uh very happy to be comfortable but there is a cost to being a disciple of jesus so i want to ask you this question uh, with re regard really to faith in the uk although a lot of our listeners come from denmark norway germany as well as the us uh, but we're talking from a uk kind of context here um but what does it look like to be a disciple of jesus in the church in the uk the us in norway in norway and it, and it be a costly discipleship yeah i mean it's yeah it's it's, it's very obvious isn't it? isn't it in different parts of the world what that cost looks like uh, for, for here I mean, what comes to mind is I was, I was talking to a bloke, and this is a couple of years out of date, but he he was, you know, we think uh, youth youth just want to be on their screens the whole time, don't want to come out and go to youth groups. Well, he was he was quoting the um, what they called the uh, the scouts. The scouts in England had had a waiting list of fifty thousand kids, and they can't fill it because they can't get volunteers, and they can't get volunteers. It's essentially, if you if you, if you look look sort of pair it back it's because we're all sat at home watching box sets the whole time mm. and so volunteerism has dropped massively so you know it's going to cost you time it's going to cost you you know that that discipline of, of prioritizing other people i think we've we've just the idol of comfort is so big isn't it 
So mm. it's recognizing that it's 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 communicating. You know, I want people around me in terms of accountability, and accountability is a massive massive part of discipleship, uh, and and probably underspoken about. I want people around me, a few key people that I'm going to meet with regularly that ask me the tricky questions and that don't sort of pander me or affirm me in spiritual mediocrity. It's not salvation by works, but it is stirring each other on towards towards love and good deeds and saying, you know, so instead of literally watching, as most people do, three hours of TV a day, get out, get get stuck in, you know, our, mm. our, our youth uh, work at our church, they're struggling to find people. The kids work, they're struggling to find people. It's like all the more since COVID, we've become consumers. And so, you know, it, it part of the cost will be will be time. It'll be giving ourselves, it'll be embracing that attitude of, of, of servanthood. It'll cost you uh, in your pocket in terms of, you know, tithing. Yeah, tithing is good, isn't it? But Jesus didn't tithe his blood. He gave it all. And he's like, you know, be all in. And what's that look like to, to, to genuinely sacrifice? I think a lot of us, we give out of our out of our excess rather than in a, in a costly way. Now that may be, you know, in Bo, I'm not sure what your demographic is. I know it's being, it's kind of, there's, there's a mixture, isn't it? I, I'm in a, a percent Bengali. Right, yeah. Uh, low right. 10% on the deprivation. So it's a very deprived yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Sileti Bangladesh, isn't it? Um, yeah, so, so you know, horses for courses in terms of different, different areas, but, um, so we are in a we're in a wealthy area, but it, the, the paradox is that we're, the estate clearly is mm. not wealthy at all. So so, but you know, time, money, reputation, you know, was it was it it was um, it was Wesley, wasn't it? When I gave my all to Christ, I did not withhold my reputation. And when he went to preach in the fields because he wasn't allowed to preach in the churches anymore, he said, "I consented to be more vile. I set myself on fire, and people came to watch me burn." And and mm. we are so sort of precious about our, our our reputation and appearing proper and not and not just being willing to to be a fool for christ and you know that's part of me you know getting getting folks mobilized to get out their comfort zones onto the streets or onto the estate to to mm. get out there, you know to, to be willing to lay that down and and occasionally to have yeah really tricky conversations as as our as the church is largely silent on plenty of issues and, and progressively compromising more and more and saying, look, mm. we can have different opinions. We're not, we're not bigots. We just, but we stand on gospel truth and we're not going to compromise on that level. So there'll be, there'll be different, different, different ways of, of sacrifice uh, and suffering. And I think, I think that is going to ramp up through the, the general state of society and, you know, what with, uh, rising fuel bills and all that sort of stuff it's mm. it's, it's going to get tougher we're going to have to dig deep together and we're going to have to develop resilience and you know chris i think that we in, in the western world you know you don't burundians are unbelievably resilient because they have suffered so much and the western world is I mean, i'd say this generation we'd be the least resilient people people in the history of humanity because it's almost like we've we've just been raised, you know, baby baby boomers, and then post second world mm. war. Most mm. of us avoiding wars and conflicts, and it has been all about comfort and ease. And so I think things are going to ramp up, and it's going to be a really wonderful but difficult, challenging time to dig deep and in resilience to model mm. costly discipleship. Yeah, I often talk about um, you know discipleship in some ways is about putting Jesus first. And I love that F-I-R-S-T because it just reminds me first is F for finances, I for your interests, I for, R relationships, S sex and T time. Because mm. it's really easy to put God first uh, when it comes to Sunday mornings. But when it comes to Monday mornings, are we willing to put God first in our finances? 
Are we willing to put God first in our sex lives, uh, put him first in our interests and how the things that we are interested in? Mm. Um, so that's where it gets costly, isn't it? When we've got to put Jesus first over all these areas, we're happy for that area, but not this area. Uh, and that's where it gets really, really difficult for us. Um, I want to ask you one last question, and you've kind of touched on this already, but you've moved from Burundi, where you are living on the edge. It's pioneering, it's reaching the lost, you're dealing with things like the demonic, um, you're dealing with sicknesses that there isn't the medics around, you're reaching those villages, and then you move to Bath. And the danger is we fall asleep. Yeah. And you know, you used a phrase earlier that I thought was so good. How do you stay sharp? I'm going to change that to slightly. How do you how do you how do you stay awake? How are you making sure that you don't dr- drift into slumber because of comfort? You've talked a little bit about maybe you know some of the going out and doing the evangelism. Uh, but in the day-to-day life of medical care that's right there, uh, the remote control for Netflix is right there, the the sofa's right there. Um, how do you stay awake personally? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm looking out my window right now at uh, a lovely sleepy village and um, and in Burundi, I listened regularly. It wasn't, it wasn't every year but it was for years on end there'd be you know periods of the 13 year war i call it the last seven years of it there'd be gunfire and shelling and uh, sporadic you know just just grim stuff so mm-hmm. i could not kid myself that i was living in in peacetime come back here bath i'm looking out right now and it looks peaceful but i've now got a different lens i can see bombs falling all over coom down all over Bath, all over this nation. Mm. They're different. It's distraction, comfort, consumerism, materialism. It just goes on. And what we need is to have that. How do I stay sharp? Is 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 insisting, being intentional about having my spiritual goggles on the whole time. And recognizing there's a battle. Ephesians 6 12, our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the weapons we fight with, 2 Corinthians, what is it, 5, um, 10, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Mm. And so we need to pray in the spirit on all times, with all kinds of prayer requests, back to Ephesians 6. So it's 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 putting on that armor of God. You know, we, we know that and the breastplate, the righteousness, the sword, the spirit, the shield of faith, yeah. helmet, salvation, all that. And, and and living wide awake and living ready and prioritizing what matters. Yeah, back to you, quoting sort of first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the rest gets thrown in. So living, incarnating what we believe, insisting on it. And so spiritual discipline is massively key. And funnily enough, I've just had, my, my kids have just had a ridiculously long half term um and we're just so we're coming out of 16 days in a row and and you know my spiritual discipline slipped in that time and i definitely Mm. went a little bit off the boil and it was so good this morning for me and i'm saying it for me people don't have to do this but for me it was like right i'm back up at 5 45 i'm back out praying you know six to seven with a dog and 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 i'm like yeah i'm in the zone i just feel so much more awake right now today because i've started well and that's Mm. how i'm wired but it's like spiritual disciplines need to be in place 
time spent with the lord you know intimacy comes we know it in a marriage relationship you know my, my wife's love language is quality time uh, but you know, you know time spent with someone equals intimacy with them essentially and if you don't spend time with the lord it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and then spending time again intentionally with other people that are going to raise the bar of your discipleship it's not going to slip to the lowest co- common denominator and then I've got a chance to stay sharp. And I obviously I'm coming from a context where it's been so clear. So all the more I'm heightened to the reality of the danger of it. And I look around without a judgmental hat on, but I look around and see, you know, objectively <clears throat> a sleeping body and large mm. power sleeping giant with so much more potential to fulfill because we've got the best news in the world mm. and, and a stunning mandate. And there's a sense of urgency that comes with that to share it, to see, see God's kingdom come. Simon, thank you. I absolutely love that. Now, you've written an awesome book called Choose Life 365, which is a book that if people want to wake up to their discipleship, is a really good book uh, to read. Um, how, when did you write that now? That's a little while ago. It's numbers yeah, of well, years ago. I mean, I wrote it when I was sick. I, I spent two years, not two years, fully in bed. But that was that was the God's grace that gave me the time to step back from flat out work. So that was about uh, nine years ago, maybe, but yeah. it's still, it's one of those things that is the gift that keeps on giving. So it's, you know, it's 365 readings for radical disciples. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what the sub sub subtitle is. And it's yeah. a daily three minute shot in the arm. Are we gonna, I've, I've mentioned them. We can choose faith or fear. We can choose urgency or apathy. We can choose cynicism or action. We can choose obedience, disobedience. So it's a daily mm-hmm. making good choices. So, like, go for it. Yeah, brilliant book. If people want to listen to you more or want to find you on the socials, how do they do that? Uh, well, simongilbo.com. Um, you know, I'm on your podcast and now you, um, we're going to switch hands on and you're going to be on my podcast. And, and and I'm loving the podcast. It's called Inspired. And basically it's getting people coming in and telling their their stories of God to work in their lives. And it's so wonderful from different, different walks, seeing people uh how, how gods at work in their lives so that's inspired with simon gilbo and uh that bit, yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend that otherwise greatlakesoutreach.org is is greatlakesoutreach.org and that is our work and it is so beautiful from the poorest hungriest country in the world some of god's best troops are out there and we are raising a radical generation of disciples of, of integrity who are modeling it for the transformation of the nation amazing simon thank you so much for your time it's been really good having you with me Thanks. Love being part of it. Grace and peace.